0: International Horse College's motto is People, Safety and Horse Welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest is David Simons. Whether your interest is pleasure riding or high-level performance in either the equestrian or reigning Western disciplines, David's training guarantees remarkable results. His passion for training the horse to perform with correct and fluid movement while showing willingness, commitment and lightness with its connection will allow you to achieve remarkable results, probably more than you believe possible. David's personal competition interest is reigning and yet he's as passionate about the horse performing to the best of its ability in any discipline. At their home in Drysdale in Victoria, David and his wife Sandy have a private training facility where David not only trains his own horses for competitions, but horses of all ages, sizes, disciplines. David's lifetime involvement with horses... He believes that a horse of any stage of its life from any background can be trained in a non-threatening way to promote calmness and responsiveness. Okay, how are you today, David?
1: Very well, thank you. How are you?
0: Oh, wonderful. David, we start off with a favourite quote. Have you got one for us?
1: I have. uh, It is what it is.
0: (laughs) That's a pretty basic one. Yep, yep.
1: yep. Yeah.
0: Now tell me about it and how you got to know that quote.
1: Well, I suppose... You know, in life, you know, uh, life throws a lot of curveballs at you and um, just in life in general and each day is a new day and, you know, there's always something going on and it's sort of at the end of the day, you know, whatever happens on that day is what it is and you just got to learn to move on and strive to be the best and do the best you can and, you know, get up every morning. You know, it's just a simple quote, but, you know, at the end of the day, Whatever happens, you can't change it, so you yep. got to just accept it and move on.
0: Now, did someone tell you that quote or is it something that you thought of yourself? How did you first start using that
1: quote? I've used it for quite a long time, you know, and I'd only just, and I didn't really even know I used it until my friends, uh, you know, kept repeating it back to me and, <laughs> and they actually ended up, Giving me a sign with it on it, you know, and I'm uh, going, geez, I don't, you know, I don't recall saying it, but obviously I have been, and, you know, that <laughs> just sort of brought my attention, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, David, tell me about one of your very early memories of horses.
1: From well, of my earliest memories, uh, you know, back when I was probably 10 or 12, and uh, just learning to ride, you know, I was, I was actually a late beginner in, as a rider. Mm hmm. You know, into horses, I sort of didn't start until I was about ten or eleven. So uh, I suppose that's late, as you'd say, but uh, yeah, sort of learning to ride and you know sort of riding everywhere. I used to get up early in the morning and go and ride you know ten or twelve ks with um old ex-minister who used to have race horses, and he was like seventy five years old and he used to ride. A sort of thoroughbred cross stock horse, and and ride the uh, lead a race horse, and then he would go ten k's down these back roads, and he'd feed the horses down there, then we'd ride back. And I sort of thought, well, if he can do that, you know, at 75 years old, then I have no excuses. So that was my one of my early memories of, you know, riding and having someone with an input into what I'm going to do.
0: So when you say he rode a horse and then led a racehorse off it, did you ride with him? So you rode...
1: Yeah, I rode a horse, you know, just a pony or just a 14-2 hand pony, you know, and I thought just learning to Mm. ride. And and then the thing is, what we'd do is we'd trot all the way there, you know. So it wasn't about I'd just walk and just float along. I sort of... my backside in that saddle, I was trotting, yep. you know, and I, 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 soon, I soon learned how to sort of rise to the trot. Anyway,
0: it, uh, it's certainly a good way to get the miles up, isn't it? You know, if you if you're going that far down and then that far back and then getting off and feeding horses and everything yeah. in between, yeah, that's
1: right, yeah, yeah, and getting myself back
0: on. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, from there, you know, when was the, the move then to have a career with horses? Was it then that you decided, or um, something later? Ah,
1: uh, not really. I was, you know, I was riding every day. You know, i sort of, I got the bug. Yep. and I'd get up every morning before school and go and ride with mm. him. You know, and get the miles up, and then you know, then I started to learn how to ride a bit better. Then I discovered novelties, and I did novelty racing. And then it wasn't until I left school, and then I wrote a letter. To the cattle station up in the Northern Territory and uh, to become a jackaroo. So I actually got the job up there when I left school, and then I was up there for six years, you know, on the cattle station. So, you know, that was sort of day and night, you know, that was the eye opener of, you know, that's like leaving school and being sort of protected and comforted <laughs> from your parents yes. and living a sheltered life, going up there and sort of growing up overnight.
0: Mm-hmm. So the time that you spent on the cattle station, was it mostly riding? You know, did you spend how much of that time was with horses? Because some cattle stations now barely have, don't have any horses. They get up there and they're on
1: their bikes and oh, well, doing all sorts of things. Yeah, well, that was that was back in the early 80s. So that was a long time ago. So it was all horse yep. work. We would um, be on our horses anywhere up to, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And, yeah, it really taught me how to ride horses and stay on them. You know, I remember going up as a jackaroo, and uh, you know, and no one, no one like at that time would do anything for you. You Had to do it all yourself. And, you know, I remember when we were first went out to the camp, and we had to shoe our plant horses. The head stockman got us all young blokes around and said, "I'm going to show you how to put a shoe on one foot, and then you've got to go out and do it yourself." And that's all he did. <laughs> Showed us how to put a shoe on one foot, and then we had to go and do it ourselves.
0: Wow, wow,
1: and that was it. You know, and uh, so we sort of learned, you know, there wasn't any – and the only reason is because the job had to be done. You know, there was yes. no time for stuff around or, or whatever. And, you know, and my first year on the cattle station and, you know, the horses, as good the horse as horses they were, they weren't sort of kind-hearted type of thing. And, um, you know, I remember my first year riding, I reckon, they say you never really – Learn to ride until you've fallen off three times. (laughs) On that year alone, that first year alone, I reckon I hit the deck about sixty times in one year. Yep. And I remember hitting the deck four times in one day off the same horse. So, you know, but you just had to keep getting back on Mm, mm. because you're miles from nowhere and no one's going to ride the horse for you. So it was just tough luck.
0: Tell me about the horses there. Did you get the young horses, bring them in? Were they breed on the station? Just tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we bred all our own horses, we had, you know, brood mares and stallion. And we would, at the start of the year, you know, before we went out and um, out to the camp and did the cattle, we'd bring the mares and foals in and we would cut the cut and brand the colts and then, you know, brand the mares, the fillies, and then we'd wean the... You know, the 12, 14 months old ones mm-hmm. off. Yep. We'd handle them for probably two weeks and then we wouldn't bring them back in until they were seven year old. So we never used to break them in until they were seven year old.
0: And any reason for that? Was that just uh, the preference of the owners? Yeah.
1: No, just so when they went out into the stock camp, they could do a day's work.
0: Yep. Okay. So they're big and strong and old enough yeah. to, they're fully developed. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, and now they're sort of adult horses. So we never had time just to, you know, go down to the arena and ride for five, <laughs> ten minutes and that, one just to train our horses. We had yep. to train them and uh, get them broke while we were working. So mm. so that's why we didn't start them until lower seven. So they were yep. pretty wild, they were wild when they come in, I tell you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what about the breed of horses? Were they stock horse, thoroughbred? What?
1: Um, they were stock horses. Mm hmm. And they're a really good cut of horse too, you know. They're really good good quality horses, good cow horses and stuff. But, you know, they just all had their quirks, you know. There's a lot of ones that bucked and, you know, did everything, you know. They, yeah. They certainly uh, taught you to ride anyway.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. What about if someone said to you, you know, I'd like to work in the horse industry and I'm thinking about going up and working on a property what sort of core skills or character traits do you think they need? Because, you know, I'm thinking about riding skills and you put your hours in, you know, got your hours in when you were sort of going out with the to do with the racehorses. But, yeah, you got some hours on the cattle property. What sort of core skills or character traits would someone need to start work? What do you think you had to get you started on that property to last as long as you did?
1: I think in today's society, like in today, how today is, you know, yep the way it was when I was up there is not existing anymore. It's Mm -hmm. like now uh, the stations have a station set alone that just handles and breaks the horses in because the unfortunate thing now, you know, people who go up to the station, they actually don't have really much riding skill or any, you know, farm experience a great deal of. So all the horses now got to be sort of really quiet and, Just for the people to, you know, because I think a lot of people that go up there now are sort of university students which are having a, you know, time off and just want a break and they go and do that for 12 months and come back. But when I was up there, it was really, really isolated and quite lonely because there was no TV, there was no radio, there was no nothing. Mm. It was sort of like stepping back into the 1800s. You know, we had a bunk cart and we'd tail horses and had a wag and with all our chuck wag and with all our stuff on and it would follow us and but you know it it was it was sort of like living a dream but like a damn hard one (laughs) yes yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: but you know i think um you just got to have a strong character i think you know and sort of maybe willing for adventure because it's not easy work i've been uh, fortunate in the last few months run into people that have worked up there as well and and because it was so long ago, they sort of worked up sort of around the same time as I did, and, and it's been a great thing to reminisce on the stories, and, and it's amazing the stuff that you forget, and, and it was it's really cool to you know jog your memory of all the things that you used to do, and you know the near misses and sort of the life and death experiences that you had, and you know like the near misses and stuff like that. It's quite an eye opener it was. So yeah, if you're looking yeah. for adventure, yeah, you know, it's supposed to go. <laughs>
0: Tell us about one time, you know, you're saying looking for adventure, but you're not really telling us any stories. So tell us, just take us back to, you know, it's almost like it's out there in the abyss, you know. Yeah, it's a big adventure. But tell us one story, just one memory that you had that may have been a bit of a life or death or something.
1: Well, I've had several, you know. I was involved in a plane crash up there in a Cessna. Mm-hmm. So that's one story. I survived it, of course, because yep. I'm still talking to you. <laughs> yes, but cattle haunting you and all that sort of stuff. But the story that I'll tell you is, it's a miracle that it happened, but it's really, really funny. Yeah. So growing up, you know, back in the late '70s and early '80s, and there used to be a lot of, you know, cowboy movies on TV, you know, cowboy and yep. western movies. Yes. That was the sort of the hits back then. And of course, you know. So westerns and cowboy stuff, riding horses and chasing cattle around and, you know, doing stuff for the cattle. So before I went up there, I uh, you know, I learned how to ride horses, but I'd never been near a cow in my life. You know, I lived, there. my <laughs> yes. parents had a small acreage and there was cattle, you know, all around us. But I'd never, the only time I've interacted with cattle was when they were chasing me in the next door neighbor's paddock, you know, like <laughs> yes. charging and we're running you know like scared out of our wits as kids so of course growing up in those times and at the westerns and all that and you sort of see, the, see them on tv so you sort of get an idea of maybe this is what it's about and what you should be doing so we was it was my very first muster mustering cattle and and um it was all coming out and the headstockman told me to go up into the brush and uh the scrub there and see if there's any cattle up there. So I, I went up into the scrub and it was like old turpentine and, and really thick bushes and stuff. And I come across this big, big bullock. So he would have been probably five or six years old and he would have been probably 14 to somewhere around at the withers there and he had massive horns and all that yep. sort of stuff. And um, I'm trying to push him out of the brush and, and he just stood there and I'm thinking now, how am I going to get this sucker to move? And of course, my recollections went back Went back to the western thing. What would they do
0: in the movies? That's it. Yeah, They're in the
1: movies, yeah. because this was my very first encounter with a with a beast. You know, with some cattle. Yep. And for some reason, he sort of just bailed up in the bushes there. And so I said, "What would they do in the western?" So I got off my horse and I ran over to him. And this is where the miracle part is. And <laughs> I ran over to him. I grabbed him by the head and horns, and I started twisting on his head. Yeah. And he just stood there, and I'm I'm wrestling this big bullock, and I'm twisting its head and horns, and I'm uh, and I'm just doing that, <laughs> but I had no clue what the outcome was. Mm. I'm thinking, well, twist his head, something will happen. Yeah. Anyway, he just stood there, and then after a, a minute or so, I sort of gave up because he wouldn't do anything, and I just walked back and got Morrison and rode off. You know, and I'm, <laughs> and that was my first encounter with. Cattle, yeah, you know, and I learned from that day on. After I learned that I was quite lucky, <laughs> <laughs> quite lucky that that bullock never hammered me or horned me or sampled me or killed me. So, what
0: was the story? <laughs> was he caught up in the turpentine? Is
1: he? No, he was just standing there. He just sort of trotted in there, and not, and
0: because
1: yeah. a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were pices up there, and, yep. and they'd just go into the brush and couldn't get them out. Yep. So he went and stood in the middle of it, and I just sort of went in there and started wrestling him. <laughs> and, you know, and it was a draw, and I sort of walked out and got on, and and then I walked back down to the head stockman, and he sort of was going, "What the hell was you thinking?"
0: <laughs> wow, he, wow. Was watching,
1: yeah, yeah. he was watching me, and I said, just thought, you know, I thought that's how it was." Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's um, yeah, that was someone that's willing to adventure. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. I, I soon pulled yeah. my head after that and <laughs> become a lot more responsible
0: for sure on the <laughs> uh, David, what do you think was the best thing about working on the cattle property and spending time up there in a cattle station? Uh, growing up, mm-hmm.
1: you know, becoming a man overnight basically, you know, and being responsible and developing a work ethic and sort of getting to the understanding if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you because that's how it was, you know, when there was no no one to wipe your backside or your nose or...
0: How old were you when you went? 17. Yep. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats what about the horse industry itself what's the best thing about working in the horse industry
1: best thing about working in the horse industry you know you sort of meet a lot of different types of people and every horse is different so every you know horse is a challenge and like i said you know at the start that old saying it is what it is so you know you have to sort of keep thinking and you have to uh, always be one step ahead, you know, in the sense of you always got to be trying to outsmart the horse. And, and the biggest thing about the horse industry, it's a humbling experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: You can never get ahead of yourself. You know, if you get ahead of yourself, the horse will always bring you back down to earth. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I think it's the best part of it is the tumbling and, and it's good satisfaction when you can see an improvement in the horse and them start to change and become better, and you know, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yep, thinking about people who've influenced you, and you've already talked about John Lyons, but is there anyone
1: else? Yeah, getting back to the cattle station, it was yep. my old boss, he's passed away now, but Des Stanhouse, he was probably, you know, he never ever used to admit it, but he was quite a big influence because, you know, he sort of, sort of leaving just a little town and, you know, a sheltered. Sort of life and going up he sort of molded me and sort of shaped me and gave me the sort of the structure and foundation and to sort of what I am today and mm-hmm. you know he was a tough man, but he was really fair, you know, if you know what I mean yep, yep, and they had to be up then up there, so he was the manager of that the station that I used to work on, and so uh yeah him and and of course, all the people in the horse industry who are my peers, it doesn't really matter what discipline they are, but, you know, all the ones that are up the top in their game and stuff like that, they're the ones who influence me a lot as well because, you know, you always got to strive to be better. And so all those people, they're the ones who sort of keep me going and keep me excited about riding horses every day, you know, because I want to be as good as them. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And interesting you say that about the different disciplines because everyone works with the same tool you know, the same basic, even though the breeds might be a little bit different, the type, the individuals are different, but everyone's working with horses.
1: Exactly right. Mm. So you can learn off everyone, so it doesn't yep. really matter, you know, what discipline they do. You know, we're all striving for the same thing.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Some of us just wear different clothes,
0: if mm. you know what I mean. Mm. So yep.
1: Yep. different, you know, um, circus costumes. So,
0: mm. Mm. Mm.
1: and that's it, you know, it's, End of the day, you know, we might have different saddles and different costumes on, but it's pretty close, you know, with all the aids and what we're trying to teach the horse and what we want the hell horse to do and how to respond and react and act and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're all striving for the same outcome. So Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what discipline you do. It's it, You know, we can always learn something.
0: Yeah. Thinking about John Lyon's, Tell us a lesson that you've learned from him, something that you've learned from him. What was the, you know, how how did that work out? What was the, what happened on that day or what happened within that time that you learned this lesson from him?
1: He taught me a lot sort of about the horse. You know, the thing the thing with it is I, I knew sort of quite a lot, you know, working on the cattle station and that's where I learned to break in horses. And, and like I said, back then it was, an industry and and it was work, it was a job you know it was a great job. I was probably you know bordering on the best years of my life as um for you know for a foundation mm-hmm. yes, I always always sort of wondered what I would have become of if I never went there you know
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, but it is what it is again, there's that thing <laughs> but John sort of uh, taught me the finer points of horse training, but but I think the most important sort of lesson that he taught me was sort of just about life itself. He's a very humbling man and, you know, he's just got a great philosophy on life and all that stuff in general. But um, I remember when I first went over there and um, I never knew him from a bar of soap. And Anyway, we my first day to actually interact with him and, and I'm thinking that, you know, it's John Lyons and he was back in the 80s, and, you know, he was quite in demand and all this sort of stuff back then. And, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, all the stuff that I've done, you know, over the past, you know, it's probably not good enough or I haven't done enough or anything like that, you know, because he accepted me into his place to train so I could train with him. And and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I haven't done enough. And so I remember he sat down with me and he said, righto, you know, so how many horses have you done? And I'm thinking, oh, here it is. You know, this is it. He's going to reject me. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, geez, should I should I tell a white lie or should I be honest? You know, should I make myself look, you know, look good? And I'd say, nah, nah, you've got to be honest. So I said, look, I suppose all up, you know, I've probably done, you know, a thousand or so horses. And he goes, oh, oh, gee, you know, and he sort of looked at me a bit of a shock. Yep. And here I'm thinking I haven't done enough. Yep. And here's him thinking that I've only probably done one or 2 Mm-hmm. The stories were quite opposite. And then, So we went out into the arena and played around with horses. And his first words to me when I got out on the horses, and this stuck with me, and and this is really what it's all about. His first words to me were, he goes, you know, David, I'm no better than you. I just know different things. You know, and then Mm -hmm. whammo. That's what put us in the, put everything into context. And now we're really close and best friends from that day on.
0: That's a very um, humble thing for him to say too, isn't it? It is. I'm no better than you. I just know different things.
1: Yeah, and then to a total stranger.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a total stranger who's come from the other side of the world to see him.
1: Right, you know, and uh, and that was just like, yep, this is the guy, you know, and and that's the the type of guy he is, you know. Yep, yep. That's why I'm saying, you know, he taught me a lot about horses, but he also taught me a lot about life as well and, Mm. you know, and all that sort of stuff. So,
0: what about horses? You've got some horses who've influenced you. Is there a standout horse you think's influenced you more than others, or how does it go?
1: You know, I, I think over the course of over the thirty years, whatever it is how long it is, I've been doing it. There is some good horses, but I sort of just take every horse as they come as a learning experience. Yep. Because every horse influences you yep. to do better or do something. You, you know. Sitting on my horses today, you know I learned something,
0: yeah, yep,
1: been doing it over thirty years, so I'm always prepared to try and improve and listen to my horses and get feedback from them that I can make it better, you know, like make my riding better and make their their tolerate me better, you know
0: yep, yep,
1: you know, and I've had some pearlers of horses in the sense of wild ones, but some of those ones I think have been brought here for a reason to for me to learn or teach me something mm-hmm. that's how i put it across is you know I, if i've got a i get a horse or it's whether it's a good one or a bad one whatever you know it's, i sort of get the figure it's, it was sent to me for a reason Yep. teach me something Yep. maybe to punish me or maybe to make it better <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so you learn yes you learn from every horse but you know i've got my favorites i've had gambler which is my original one and then bow and you know the unfortunate thing is i can't sell horses, you know. If I get ones, and I, you know, go through all this time. I can't get rid of them.
0: Yeah,
1: so, yeah. So I have a paddock full of them now. I've got Malenas <laughs> and
0: yeah. yeah What do you think your proudest moment's been?
1: I think my proudest moment, you know, I've spent so many years, so such a long time, just breaking in and doing problem horses and doing clinics and stuff like that. You know, and that was really, really, I really enjoyed it. But I got sort of down the track, a little bit disillusioned, because it was sort of like Groundhog Day. You know, you're yeah. just doing the same stuff. I sort of, there wasn't any end result, if you know what I mean. There wasn't mm-hmm. any sort of follow-on or, or uh, there was a result, but there wasn't sort of a outcome. Yes. So, sort of 2011, I decided to become a little bit selfish and decided to go out and start showing myself and training and decided I'm going to – I want, really always wanted to do reiners. But I, you know, also, you know, when I left the uh, cattle station, I was a bit of an uh, like I said, that taught me how to ride horses and how to ride buck jumpers and all that sort of stuff. So I did the rodeo circuit for 10 years, the mm-hmm. professional rodeo circuit for 10 years riding saddle bronc horses. So there's a highlight in that, I won three states saddle bronc riding championships and I come in the top 5 in Australia in the open saddle bronc and I um, come second in Australia in the rookie saddle bronc and mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to ride in the states so I was happy about that and so there's some of the highlights but but that was a, you know that was a long time ago but the recent highlights that I have would be winning the the lower level faturities at the reigning.
0: yep yep
1: and placing in all the levels, but winning some of the lower levels. You know, my aim, my goal is to win the level four faturity. Yep. I've won all the rest, but I haven't won that one yet. <laughs> okay. So that's my goal and that's my highlight is winning that. And, of course, when I talked about, you know, like the Groundhog Day, Yep. actually going out into the futurity and actually winning or placing in the faturities and know that the horse that you are on riding that you trained yes the out, there's the outcome of your training you know what I mean yep yep But so that was that's the greatest highlight as winning those lower levels and placing in the level four futurities on a horse that I trained so that's a really good highlight for me
0: alright now I'm sure that it hasn't been all roses right from when you left school to where you are now as a professional what do you think has been your biggest challenge
1: my biggest challenge was I'm battling depression. Okay. The unfortunate thing about depression, it, it has no discrimination of who it, who it likes to jump on board and get its claws into. So, so that's probably been like over the years been my biggest battle that you know I'm, I'm really, really happy that I've had the horses in my life to actually help with it. Yes. And, of course, my family and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it's, I'm pretty happy in my life now because I think I've I've actually got through it and I've battled and now. I'm on the end of it. So, you know, everything's sort of really peaceful now and I'm I'm really happy. But I've really got my horses to thank for that because, you know, whoever has depression, it's a battle of your own internal battles, you know. And I can remember sitting down in the round pen crying and all that sort of stuff and not wanting to talk to anyone and not wanting to be around anyone. But, you know, the horses – for some reason, the horses always made me get out of bed every day,
0: mm.
1: and it gave me a routine, you know, and I think I uh, sort of worked my way through it, and um, yeah, and I've come out the other side, and I think it's been a sort of a blessing, you know, to have them in my life, the horses, and and um, that's what I used as therapy.
0: Yeah, and they've been used. I mean, it's not, you know, you're saying that, but horses themselves have been used for healing, not just depression, but a lot of other issues, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it's the biggest thing that I learned, you know, with it because the horse is a mirror of one, oneself. Yes, and horse, yep. You know, and, and with depression, you know, it's just a battle of all different emotions. Mm. Mm. So, and really, at the end of the day, what the horse wants you to do is he wants you to be around him and train him and be around him with no emotion. Yep. He wants you to control your own emotions and don't ride, train him or throw your emotions onto him. So uh, that's sort of what it taught me to do is, is to check my emotions at the gate when I went to the horses and be neutral. So I think, you know, that's really what helped me sort of okay. get, get it all in line. Mm.
0: What would you say to someone, advice to someone who is battling depression now? What advice would you give them?
1: Um, the best thing i found is just to talk about it, you know, don't hold it in or,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or don't sort of think you're the only one suffering from it. You know, like how I sort of, I didn't really know what was going on with me because you know, I had all these different feelings and you know, I'd get angry at the drop of a hat and, um, and you'd start talking to yourself and, you know, you'd think, oh, I'll be better tomorrow, I'll be better tomorrow. It's only just a phase and you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, uh, one of my friends, I was just happened to be in the car with him. He was going somewhere, and he was talking about his depression, and and he was explaining it. And I'm saying, you're just explaining me. Yep. You know, and it's the, the sort of thing that you don't really know you have, and so you know, off to the doctor I went, and we um sort of got a program in order, and you know, I got my, as I call them, I got my Guatemalan Insanity tablets, and so helps me, helps me with them, and um yeah, it just. just just don't hold it in Mm -hmm. just talk Mm -hmm. about
0: it yeah okay that's good advice David you go you do a lot of clinics now so thinking about you walking into a new clinic with new riders new people new everything what's a common fault that you see across the board and and what sort of exercises would you use to fix it
1: I think with horses and training them and and teaching them to do what you like them to do or teaching them, you know, what you don't want them to do, it's really just sort of teaching the horse black and white, isn't it? You know, just... Like, make a choice. If if we if we make it simple yep. and just say, just say to the horse, you know, horse, you know, I'd like you to turn left or I'd want you to turn right, whatever like that, mm-hmm. then there can only ever be two answers if you make it simple, isn't it? Yep. So either the answer will be yes or no, won't it? Yes. So if you just make it simple and just make it black and white and just keep it clear, you'll get further along with your horse. But, you know, the, you know, really at the end of the day, all the horse wants to be done is left alone. And the quicker he does it, the quicker he finishes. But the best advice, that you know, from training the reiners, you know, training the reining horses and how sensitive and subtle they've got to be, You know, the best advice I can give is the less I do, the more I should expect rather than the more I do, the less I'll expect. So I want to do very little on my horse and get my horse to offer me a mountain rather than, you know, being all over my horse and forcing my horse and getting very little out of him. So, and it's really about, you know, constantly showing the horse what you would like him to do and then leaving him alone rather than, you know, see a lot of people... When they're riding, and they just babysit the horses, so they really won't allow the horse to do it wrong, but they won't allow the horse to do it right either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's really about just letting the horse make that mistake, correcting it, and then moving on, and then going about your business again.
0: Yep, yeah. I think that's a bit of a life lesson itself, isn't it?
1: Well, I sort of look at it, then, you know, if we're learning something, it seems to be all right for us to make mistakes. Mm we learn from our mistakes but when, we, when it comes to our horses we don't let them make mistakes you know we seem to think that if we catch them out if we catch them before they make the mistakes, then they'll learn better but they don't they actually shut down and they actually get a little bit more stressed and agitated because they get the feeling that they can't do anything
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: so the yep. best thing to do is to let them make the mistake correct them and then in actual fact What will end up happening is the horse will end up trying harder for you after the correction because he learns from
0: Mm. Mm. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. David, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners to complement their training?
1: Um, Well, I have a book. Unfortunate thing the unfortunate thing is I don't read many
0: I thought you'd actually talk about your books at that stage.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I suppose yeah, I have I have books, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, whether it's my books or anyone's books, the thing about, you know, when you go and buy books and you know, buying books or videos or DVDs, Ds, you just sort of gotta stay away from all the gimmicks and you got to have this, and you got to have that. You know, all you need in your tack room is a bridle and a saddle, and you know, dressage whip and or whatever, and go out and train your horse with that. You know, there's no secrets in training a horse, except you know, like we talked about before, is you know, you sort of your ups and downs. You know, we we talked about the depression, but but in the you know, as training the horses, it, it would be great if every day that you went out. And played with your horse it was a fantastic day you know if that was how it was everyone would be a trainer wouldn't
0: they? Yeah yeah. not only that everyone would be riding at the Olympics and riding in the world championships exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly yeah. but unfortunately there's just as many down days as there is up days so and that's the whole part of you know training a horse and it's going through the same stuff day after day you know until the horse understands it and all the horse says, you know what, it becomes a subconscious reaction. And, but um, yeah, as far as books go, you know, books and videos, yeah, my, my books have information in them, but, you know, um, whatever you're going to buy or going to read, it, it, it sounds clear and understandable, you know, and sounds simple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the mm-hmm. most, most important thing about training the horses is keep it simple. Yep. It's not rocket science. And what we also need to be is not so anal about training our horses not to be so nitpicky mm-hmm. so that's probably my best advice you know about training if you're trying to find a book you know just find a book that's that's got the information and it doesn't you know tell you your life stories or waft off into something else and then tells you very little information yeah
0: okay david can you summarize your philosophy with horses I think you just did about saying the most important things about keeping it simple, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah. The most important thing, you know, is to, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be happy.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: At the end of the day, you've got to walk away from your horse smiling and happy. And at the end of the day, so does the horse. If you're happy, then the horse is happy. And if the horse is happy, you're happy. You know, yeah. and that's really at the end of the day what it's all about you know you, if the horse is miserable then you're probably going to be miserable too because he's going to take it out on you and if you're miserable then there's a good chance the horse is going to be miserable because you're going to take it out on the horse so you know it's it's that win-win-win situation isn't it yes if the horse is happy you're happy everyone's happy you yeah. know and that's and that's at the end of the day is what it's about so and it's Training and working your horse, it mightn't start that way, but training your horse to end up that way, isn't it? And making it more and more and more like that. So it's enjoyable to go out and ride, do whatever you want your horse, you know, and and enjoy it. You know, unfortunately, the horses don't train themselves in the paddock or they don't learn from, you know, getting licorice. I know I give my horses licorice, but, (laughs) you know, they don't learn from that. You know, it's... They learn from you because you showed them how to do it. Yep. Yep. They just don't sort of, they don't train themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the most important thing that, you know, you've put your life in the horse's hands, but he's also put his life in your hands. So, Mm -hmm. someone's got to take the responsibility and guide each other.
0: Yep. Yep. David, how can people contact you? What's the best way?
1: Well, we have uh, got our website, but. Yep.
0: Simons.com.au, is it?
1: That's it. And, yeah. and there's also, uh, I'm not right up into it. I'm, not, I'm a little bit archaic when it comes to all the computer stuff, but they have the Facebook page as well. You know, Sandy and David Simons is on there. So, yeah, or they can give us a call.
0: We'll have all your contact details on horsechats.com slash David Simons or go to horsechats.com, search for David or search for Simons. So we'll be able to have all those contact details as well, David. And thank you very much for talking to us today. Great talking to you. I'd love to have you back some other time to talk about some of the stuff in a little bit more detail. That would be great. And uh, Yeah, hopefully we'll talk to you soon.
1: Yes, look forward to it. Thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: Thanks, David. Bye.
1: No worries. Thank you.
0: If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.